Welcome to the Lynn Sanity Podcast with Caleb Lynn, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lynn Sanity Podcast, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. And on this uh, Wednesday morning, afternoon, uh, you know, we always have to bring you the the content on the Wednesday Lynn Sanities to, you know, preview the week, be able to preview and, and get a more, a bigger understanding really of what's going to happen and, and what, uh, you know, to really keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, and there's plenty to talk about now. Though there isn't a lot of moves per se. Obviously, the trade deadline is not, uh, it's not happening anymore, right? But uh, we are we are continuing uh, the, the push of this NFL season. We are on week 10. Um, you know, there was a lot to recap. Uh, Jacob Keith and Bryce Shaddy did that on Monday. So I don't really want to recap, uh, but I want to dig deeper into the previews. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that when thinking about everything that's going on right now in terms of this NFL, season, there are teams out there that we should be panicking on, and there are teams out there that should give us concerns. And one of the teams out there that I'll tell you, when watching them play, you can't tell me that they are an elite team right now, is the Indianapolis Colts. And they are struggling on big time on the offensive side of the ball. Forget about the defensive side. Defensive side, they're elite on the defensive side. Like that's the least of my concerns when it comes to the Indianapolis Colts. They're going to be a top five defense, as everybody knows. They can even be better than that, depending on how you view things, but at least top five. The thing with the Colts is that they can do everything they can on the defensive side of the ball, but you have to get it from the offensive side of the ball as well. It's not something that you can just uh, neglect. And this is a team that neglects. This is a team that neglected. They went out and got a second round pick in Michael Pittman, who they finally got back and they actually used him like they should, which is about time because they needed to do that. And then you also have to look at the fact that the Indianapolis Colts best skill player is a rookie running back. And that is not a recipe to win in the NFL. And for a team that believes that they have a Super Bowl roster, you have to be better than that to get an offense going. Phillip Rivers is not the answer to a team that's trying to get to a Super Bowl, in my opinion, and maybe even winning a playoff game. I don't even know if he's your answer for that. I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered by Phillip that he could possibly do. And and, and I want to see what he answers because I think this is a team that, you know, is well coached with Frank Reich. I am, you know, not hating on Nick Sirianni as an offensive coordinator. I don't really think that's the problem. I think the defensive side of the ball and Eberflus is really good, but it's not the system. It's the players. It seems like Phillip Rivers is just not, he's exactly what I thought he would be. Exactly what I thought he would be, a guaranteed interception, a guy that continues to not put your team at another level above what they should be. And that is a problem for the Colts. He is not worth $25 million. He isn't remotely close to that. This week against Baltimore, or last week, sorry, he didn't play that good. Going into Tennessee, when they have as good of a defense as they did, and you saw how they played against the Bears, and I understand that the Bears' offense isn't a great offense, but the defense had a little bit more energy. Picking up Desmond King in the trade deadline, as Zach and I went over, Zach Griffith and I went over uh, last week, that's a good pickup for them because they're taking a shot at somebody who was never really – 
believed in by the Chargers uh, last season. And so now that they, you know, he's in a better situation, obviously. The D-line is very good. Jeffrey Simmons, a big part of that. This is a team in Tennessee led by Vrabel with a good running game and enough of a passing game to where you can see the Tennessee Titans go in and beat the Colts. I think you could see it pretty handily. Now, I'm not going to predict that, okay, but I do believe that you can make that argument. And so for that reason alone, I would have to say that the Indianapolis Colts are hitting a panic button because you play at Tennessee, which I don't think is good for them. You go home to Green Bay. That's not good for them. Not to mention you play Tennessee right back right back again. And so uh, to me, you have to win at least two of those games um, to keep yourself into that race. In my opinion, really, it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The nice part about the two of these three games is they're against Tennessee, right? And so, say, for an example, they lose Green Bay, but they win the two Tennessee games. Well, that's really all that matters. I mean, let's just face the realities of it here. If you if you beat the Tennessee Titans and you go 2-0 in your division, you are. I would argue you are pretty set to win the AFC South, unless the Colts just distract and they just aren't there. But it's important that they come out of this. And in my opinion, I'm not, you know, I'm not huge on the Colts against Green Bay. I do think the Colts have a very good defense, but I do not think that the Colts have the offense to make Green Bay pay whatsoever on the defense side of the ball. And so I don't like that game for them. And the Tennessee game, I really don't like, but I think that's their best chance. And I think they have to go out and prove it. It's a Thursday night game. They have to come out early and prove why they're the better team. And I definitely believe that this is going to be a game that dictates a lot of what's going to happen in the AFC South. And so, you know, if you're going to ask me the game to watch out for this week, I would have to say the Tennessee Titans, you know, at home against the Indianapolis Colts on Thursday night is a game to watch. The, the, the next game that I think is very interesting, especially when you come into Sunday, is like we always do. We always talk about the Sunday night game. And no, I don't rank the Baltimore New England Patriots as the second best game this week. I'm just saying it's a game to talk about because it's Sunday night. And I, I mean, what the, what, are the, what are the Patriots doing? This this is a they, they came out of this barely beating the Jets. You know, they suck. I'm, I'm not hearing a let's rally up thing. Baltimore's coming into the situation, you know, looking really good after last week, particularly in the second half when they dominated with Lamar in the running game. They started to get the defense going and put some pressure on the Colts because Phillip Rivers can't handle it. And so, when you know, as far as I'm concerned, the Baltimore Ravens came out and, and they smacked them. And I don't see any reason that they can't smack the Patriots on. At home, I don't I don't see any reason for that. I mean, Cam Newton's a good quarterback. Sure, he's mobile in the pocket. You know, that always can bring trouble to the team. But let's just face it. I mean, the Patriots do not have any outside weapons that scare you. They just got Marlon Humphrey back off the active uh, COVID roster. So you know that they're going to be in a position where they're going to lock down the receivers. And that just means even more pressure for the front seven, which has been pretty good all season. Not to mention that they added Yannick Ngakwe, who's slowly but surely becoming that guy that they're looking for. Now, Calais Campbell is potentially out, and that's something to, to maybe note. But I don't see that having a significant effect when it comes to playing the Patriots. The Patriots aren't even close to the same team. I'm not worried about Damian Harris against the, uh, the the Ravens defense. I think the Ravens defense absolutely swallows that. And so as far as I'm concerned, I think this is blowout city on a Sunday night. I hope that they fix this because they have no reason to host this game on a Sunday night football. New England Patriots are close to a Sunday night football team that are close to a primetime team. And they have no business getting that type of limelight. Now, 
another team to keep an eye on and another game to keep an eye on, in my opinion, is the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals, which I, I think will be very good. I think we're going to see two of the best young quarterbacks in the league in Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, uh, which I think is obviously something to keep an eye on. And Josh Allen proved every hater wrong last week by just lighting up the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, here's the thing that I want to say to this, you know, that I didn't get to say on my Monday show that I'll say it to you guys because I kept my mouth shut. The Buffalo Bills, right, were a team that everybody said, well, they have to just play somebody. They have to play somebody good. Oh, it's not about it. They just have to play somebody good. So you tell me right now after last week that you don't think the Seattle Seahawks were a Super Bowl contending team? Oh, but the, but, 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 but they're, they're not, they don't have a good defense though, Caleb. They don't have a good defense, Caleb. I don't have a good defense. This is sounding like Bryce Kellerman right now. I'm sounding like Bryce Kellerman, but let me be clear here. I'm not trying to sound like Bryce Shaddy who tries to back out of his things. All I'm saying to you is when it comes from the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen played against a team that many believe are contenders and took him out. They lit him up. They put up 40-plus points. Josh Allen played well. He ran the ball well. He threw the ball well. And he showed why he's a good quarterback. So, so now, now the standard changes all the time, I guess. You don't, you don't see the same standards uh, anymore. It's like, oh, well, now, no, he didn't play that good of a – he didn't play that good of a defense. He didn't play that good of a defense. So now we have to see him do it against the, uh, you know, give me an elite defense. No. 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 No, you don't change the standards. The Seattle Seahawks are a Super Bowl type of team. It's a team that you can see down the line. And he lit up the Seattle Seahawks. He lit them up. There's no other way to look at it. And he, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And there is no reason that he can't continue that. There's no reason he can't continue that. I like the chances that the Bills have against the Arizona Cardinals. I think that's a good game to watch. I think from the Arizona perspective, you absolutely have to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins more. Dolphins tried to take him out and it worked. Cardinals didn't try to attack that and try to get him more involved. Instead, they just let him uh, take him out of the game, basically. And for the Cardinals perspective, you know, I think it's a balanced attack that's going to get you through this game. I think you have to be better in terms of coaching decisions if you're Cliff Kingsbury, you know, with the minute 58 left to, to try to get a win. You know, and, you know, when you're when you're a team like the Arizona Cardinals who very well could make the playoffs, who I think would be, you know, I think it's likely to make the playoffs. Then if that's the case, then make decisions that trust that, 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 that have your team stressed that have your teams back. Because your offense is stronger than your defense. You have good players on your defense, but your offense is stronger than your defense. And so you need to take advantage of that. And so I think when it comes to the Cardinals, this is going to be a good game to kind of see, okay, where are they in terms of top of the line? Are they in the playoffs? Are they, are they not? Are they destined to crumble? For the Bills, this is another game where they can prove once again that they can be a team that can compete against top teams. And for Josh Allen is to continue playing like he's a really good quarterback, which is exactly what he is. It is exactly what he is. He's a very good quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback, and there's no reason that he can't continue his play. Next up, Seattle Rams. Look, Seattle came into this game and they played Buffalo and they got beat. You know, they gave up 40 plus. Now, for the Rams perspective, the Rams have been a little weird lately. They obviously played Miami. And two weeks ago, when talking about Miami, no offense, you know, that's that's a that's a team that I think we can get to in a minute with Miami, but but 
I'm not concerned if I'm the Rams from that game. And I think when you look at this matchup between both of these teams, you know what both of these teams can give, right? These are two NFC West rivals. Take a look at the Rams perspective here. I mean, obviously you understand what a guy like Jared Goff can give you. Now, I think the key is when you face a pass defense like the Seahawks, maybe this gives uh, Goff some confidence. He's, he's thrown for about 2,145 yards. He's thrown 13 TDs. Six INTs. I don't like the six INTs, but I think Goff has been okay. I don't think he's been great, right? The running game, very balanced. And I really don't think there's a lead guy per se, uh, as much as everybody thinks there is. And I think if they continue that, I kind of think that that's the best thing for them moving forward. But I think the wide receiving aspect of it is the key for them. And I really believe that this is a game where you have to see Cooper Cup come out and, and dominate. Uh, he, he's had a couple of games this year in my opinion, where he's been good, but you've been desperate to get the touchdown and you never got it. And for Cup, you know, he came out, played really well uh, against Miami before they were on the bye, 11 receptions, 110 yards. He's played well against the Bills. He had nine target, not, or pardon, he had 10 targets, nine receptions, 107 yards and a touchdown. So you know that this guy is a factor and I don't see any reason that he cannot be a factor in a game like this against the Seahawks where they are struggling in the secondary. And you can say the exact same thing about Robert Woods, who's a very talented player. Now, Robert Woods, I think is interesting because Robert Woods can do a lot. He can obviously run. He can obviously make catches. He can do a lot of different things. The key with Robert Woods, he also signed a $65 million extension. So they know, everybody knows that they like him, right? I think a lot of people know that they like him as a player. Now, I mean, he is a you know a consistent threat. I don't know if you're ever seeing him be a huge 100-yard guy every week, but he had 85 yards last week against the Miami offense, which has a very good secondary. So, I mean, again, I think the Rams are starting to get more creative, and I think they're trying to figure out ways to get these guys the ball. And I really don't see why they can't continue that Moving forward, I like what Robert Woods can do. I don't see why him and Cup can't have good games against the Seahawks when they have as bad of a secondary as they do. And I don't. I, I think the Rams can put some pressure on the Seahawks this week. And I'm not saying that it's, uh, you know, Russell Wilson gets sacked like four or five times. No, that's not happening. But I'm saying I can see the Rams put some pressure on them. And for that reason alone, I am taking the Rams in this game. I am taking the Rams in this game. I think I like the Rams in this game a lot. I I I really believe that they can win it. And they will, in my opinion, they'll win it with the score of 23 to 19. I think it's going to be very close. I don't think you see a high-flying game. I think you can, but I, I like the way that both these teams are playing. Now, the reasons that you can make that a little bit, in, I mean, look, if I switch the score here, right, you know, I'd have two scores in mind when thinking about this game, okay? It would be more of like the 30s. It'd be like 33-30, and it would be like a night, you know, a 20 to 15 or something, something along those lines. But with the Rams and the Seahawks, you can flip a lot of scores. Now, if you're asking me, okay, a gut feeling, well, I mentioned my gut feeling earlier, but in my realistic feeling and the, the realistic opinion that I believe that will happen in this game, I think you're going to see, a, you're probably going to see a shootout because both these teams, I don't think are the greatest. I think now Ramsey, I think has a chance to really prove himself here in this matchup, but Give me, give me, I do, I do really think the Rams are going to win it. I have a gut feeling the Rams are going to win it. And I think the Rams are going to win this game 33 to 30 over 
the Seattle Seahawks. Another team to keep an eye on and, and really a game that I think has a chance to be very fun is the Los Angeles Chargers and the Miami Dolphins. And before we get into the Chargers and, you know, we talked about them last week, so I don't really want to dive into them a huge amount, but Miami, I want to dive into because everybody needs to slow the crap down with the Miami Dolphins. They need to slow the crap down it, it, because here's the thing. I like the Dolphins. I think they're a good football team. So let me be clear on that before I say what I am going to say. This is a well-coached football team. They're getting decent play from Tua Tagovailoa. But let's calm down on Tua Tagovailoa. He's played two games in the NFL. Two games. But two games. First game, he had hardly anything to do with the win. It was purely the defense. The defense has taken astronomical steps in the second half of the season. Tua Tagovailoa had a good game. I'm not even going to call it great. He had a good game. He is going to need... He he does not. He's not a player that's wowing you. Right, he's just making the right business decision, and that wins you games. And and I understand that, but to sit here and say at 22 years old, he he had a game right now. Okay, 20 of 28, 248 yards. That's solid. I'm not denying that. 71 percent completion. But the problem that I have is we're trying to raise to a tag of Iola at a level that is absurd. I heard somebody tell me the other day, Kyler Murray isn't better than Tua Tagovailoa. You, my friends, are a ridiculous. If the country thinks that, I don't know what they're watching. I don't know what they're watching. It's time that you have maybe an appointment with your television where you have, you just watch film on one or the other and then you tell me because there's no way in the world that Tua Tagovailoa, based off the film, better quarterback than Kyler Murray right now. There's absolutely no way. And when it comes to the, when it comes to the Dolphins, I mean, I really do believe that they are going to need to get some production from guys like Mike Kosicki because of Preston Williams injury. Mike Kosicki is a player that a lot of Dolphins, you know, fans and in general people really like. Well, prove it. Kosicki has not been that guy. He's had 330 yards this season and two touchdowns. Devontae Parker has been significantly their best wide receiver and a guy that has been way more trusting. And and that's not to say that I think Kosicki can be at that level, but it is to say that Mike Kosicki needs to be a player that can be relied upon more, especially with Preston Williams not able to play. And you need to get that production somewhere else. You also have to fix the running game because Gaskin is hurt. You have to get some production from guys like Matt Breida. And you have to make that work because the Miami Dolphins are a team offensively that I'm not crazy on. I am really crazy about the defense. That's what I'm crazy on. They have a great secondary and they have a lot of talent there. And I do not think that they're getting talked about near as much as they should. And so I think with the defense, you can make a case that that's where their, their, their top is. And I agree with that. That is where they're really good. But let the idea that their offense is what's carrying them right now, you're out of your mind. The defense has been the reason that they've been good right now. If they continue that and Tua just doesn't turn the ball over, they'll be fine. But if you're going to tell me that Tua Tagovailoa is the reason that they're winning, you need to watch more football. The next team that I want to you know keep an eye on here when it comes to this is the Las Vegas Raiders, who after last week you know had the crazy finish against the Chargers, who the Miami Dolphins are playing. And here's what I say about the Las Vegas Raiders, coached by John Gruden. Las Vegas Raiders are a football team that has the ability to go one week 
where it's just awing for you. It's like, wow, this is, this is a really good football team. They have good balance. They have good defense. They're well disciplined. And then one week they lose to a trap game like Denver, which they, I'm not going to say that they will, but you know, they, they, they've lose those type of games at times. And when it comes to Las Vegas, you're a playoff team. You're a good playoff team. If you keep this up, this is a team that's starting to develop their offensive game plans. Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, they're, Big, they're they're better than that now. You added guys like Brian Edwards in the draft, who I really like. Uh, you added Henry Ruggs, who I like, but I definitely think has to play better. He's certainly been overrated given the draft pick. Nelson Aguilar has been a very solid piece for them. I'm not going to sit here and say he has been really, really good, but he has been solid. He has been able to produce. I'm just not going to sit here and say, oh, he's this really good player. He's doing what they want Henry Ruggs to do. And I think just coverage wise, defenses are allowing Aguilar to do that because they want to shut Waller from the intermediate and they don't want to let a guy like Brian Edwards get those big plays and go out. To me, Aguilar is pretty well, is doing well because of his scheme. And the Raiders in general defensively have been pretty solid. I like the Raiders right now in terms of the core that they have with Jonathan Abram, Max Crosby, Clellan Farrell. That's a good little trio of guys. And they're starting to develop that. I think when it comes to the Raiders now, you know, you're looking at a team that is going to compete higher and higher and higher up. Chargers and Broncos are obviously falling. You have to think the Raiders are going to look to make a push in the playoffs. And, and there's really no reason that they should not make a push at the playoffs. This is a team that's got a lot of promise, a lot of talent. And at this moment, they're looking like they will. They are the sixth seed right now. And, and I just see that as a very likely thing that they can come out of this and and prove why they're a really good team. And, and I, I think that the Raiders are not something to slouch around. I do think they beat Denver, and I think they beat Denver pretty handily. Uh, in fact, I, I think it's very possible the game could be like 30 to 13. That's how bad I think Denver is, and that's how good that I think the Raiders look right now. So that's how I see that game, but I want to make that point on the Raiders because I think that they are very underappreciated given – the way that they have been very off and on, but I think coaching and discipline wise, you have to like where the direction that they're going in. Another team and another game that, you know, is something that I personally want to talk about a little bit more is the Cincinnati and in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's a lot of questions in Cincinnati. And in my opinion, a lot of things where it's like, okay, they didn't make a move, Caleb. They, they did not trade a receiver. Uh, they only traded Carlos Dunlap. They sold him to get picks because they used him as a third-string defensive lineman. Um, can they beat the Steelers? I'll tell you, if the Steelers come out and do a bunch of slouching, I'll say that. If the Steelers slouch like they, do, like they did against Dallas, Cincinnati can put up points on them and they can win. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Now, I'm not going to sit here and predict that. Okay. But can they win? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is an interesting football game because I think the the Bengals have a great set of offensive skill players with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and AJ Green and and Joe Mixon comes back healthy. You know that he's going to be able to give you some really good running. And, you know, this is a team in Cincinnati that has shown a lot of promise this season. I'm not saying that they're a playoff team right now or anything like that, but you're seeing what they're capable of. And if the Pittsburgh Steelers slouch like they did last week, they, they played to the level of their competition. That's what they did. 
They played to the level of their competition last week against the Dallas Cowboys. They had no business even making it that close of a game. And it was close. You can't tell me that the Pittsburgh, anybody could have predicted that game and told me, hey, did you know that the Pittsburgh Steelers were only going to beat the Dallas Cowboys 24 to 19? It's like, no, no. No, everybody thought that was blowout city. And and so I think with the Steelers that they have to find ways to get a big win against a team in Cincinnati if they're going to try to move it. But if they slouch like they did, I'm telling you, Cincinnati's got the offensive firepower to make you pay. They have the offensive firepower to make you pay. And, you know, I think it's going to be kind of an in-the-middle game. I actually kind of think that this will be closer um, than what it might seem. I'm going to sit here and say 26 to 20. And that's because I don't know if Pittsburgh can wake up uh, because they didn't wake up against Dallas. If they play to the level of their competition, they're not winning, Uh, you know, in the sense of if they try to come out here and play and and act like they're so much better than Cincinnati, then Cincinnati's got the firepower to beat them. And I don't really think that's going to happen, but I do think the Bengals are going to compete. And so that's why I think it's going to be a 26 to 20 game. Next up is the San Francisco 49ers and New Orleans Saints. And you can ride me New Orleans Saints on that all day. In fact, you call that blowout city. I think the Saints are playing really well right now. I don't think there's any reason that they can't blow out another team again. I mean, they looked incredible against the Buccaneers on Monday. And this is, or pardon, Sunday. And this is a team that I feel like is starting to get everything together. Obviously, we know how talented of the team that they were heading into the season. But now it's starting to show because the injuries are you know, not there. And, you know, Michael Thomas is back and it just seems like everything's starting to get in the groove. And I feel like the Saints are just going to ride that into this game against San Francisco. And I think they win big. I think they win big. I I like this game a lot for them. I think you go 27, 13, uh, New Orleans. And then I think the next game that I personally want to touch on that I think could have a chance at upset is Houston at Cleveland. (laughs) I mean, obviously, I think the key is, you know, is David Johnson going to be active? And if he is, you know, that makes a difference. If Duke Johnson is active, I'm not not as crazy on that. But when it comes to Houston and it comes to Cleveland, kind of like Houston. I, yeah, I, I like Houston a lot in this game. I think the Browns are a team that are, you know, obviously when everybody's sitting here and telling me they don't miss Odell Beckham. Give me a break. Give me a break. Donovan (laughs) Peoples-Jones. Harrison Bryan. Those guys replace Odell Beckham? I mean, really? Those guys? Those guys. Not to mention the fact that, you know, you know, people are riding the tails on on Richard with Higgins. And it's it's just like, with all due respect here, it's it's those guys aren't Odell. Those guys aren't Odell. There's no reason that I don't think, I think Houston can win the game. I think Houston can win the game. I like what Houston, I think Houston provides interesting problems to their second level. The Browns have a tough time in the second level. The biggest key, in my opinion, is how they match up on the offensive line. That's the key. The offensive line of Houston has not been good. They have Laramie Tunsil, good player, but they're they're struggling on the other aspects of their offensive line. If they get a decent amount of protection and you give like a C plus in protection, they can win. They can win. 
Houston can win. I'm not crazy on Cleveland blowing them out. I'm not crazy on Cleveland making a huge jump in this game because I do not think that they can continue with the firepower that they have. I think Miles Garrett's really good, but I don't think Miles Garrett can give you everything that you need. And I think if you're Houston Texans, you're playing with house money at this point. You're playing with house money. And I just think Deshaun Watson could come into this game and say, I I'm sick and tired of like all the little comparisons that come with being a quarterback, a guy like Baker Mayfield, who was number one, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to show, I'm going to show the league why I'm still here. He's been very under the radar all season. Hardly anybody's talking about him because he's just with a bad situation right now. And I understand that, but I think this is a game where people are going to have to sit out after the game on Monday and say, Deshaun Watson looks good. And we've been forgetting about him. We've been forgetting about him and this is a good one for them. And that's exactly what I think will happen. Give me the Houston Texans 27 to 24 over the Browns. And, you know, here's the other thing that has been going on lately that I think is also interesting. When you're looking at the playoffs right now, particularly when you're looking at the gap, really, the NFC starting to get closer in, you can't allow a seventh team in. And a game that I'm intrigued by, even though the records may suggest otherwise, I really like this Monday night football game a lot. I think the Vikings and the Bears have a lot to play for. I think Soldier Field is a team that is starting to really get going. And, you know, you know, in Chicago, obviously, this is a team that's going to have that confidence to come in there. Minnesota is going to come in with a little bit more firepower with Dalvin Cook, who's looking like the best running back in the league. If you've been seeing the way he's been playing lately and you, you have to think that a team like Minnesota could come out of this and be very confident in themselves and come into Chicago and win. And the Minnesota Vikings are not right now. If you look at where they are in the standings, they are tenth. They are tenth in. The, they are tenth in the NFC. They're tenth. But if I'm a better, I might take those odds that they have a chance to sneak in. I I might take them because I don't like the way that the Niners are playing, and you have to go head to head against the Bears, and it's very possible that you can find a way to get them at a situation where the Chicago, where where the Minnesota Vikings have a tougher tie, you know, a tiebreaker over them. And I, I like Minnesota in this game. I do not see anybody stopping Dalvin Cook. I just he is running. When you go 200 yards, and I don't care who it is in back to back games, it is special. There's no, I mean. There just doesn't seem like any way to stop this man. There doesn't seem like any way that he can even remotely, you know, be absent in the game plan. Minnesota's using him any time and any chance they get, which is exactly what they should do when you have a player of that caliber. And, you know, they have Justin Jefferson, who I'm a huge fan of, who has a terrific receiver grade you you have just so much to look for there and and I think if Kirk Cousins is making the right decisions which he has been the last couple of weeks because they're just getting the ball down cook there's no reason they can't win again and keep pushing themselves in that hunt I was the one that said hey let's not push the panic on Minnesota I know it's weird I know they suck right now but they have a chance to get better and that this is what I meant by getting better. Them recognizing that Dalvin Cook is the best player on the field 
most of the time when he plays for the Minnesota, you know, Minnesota Vikings on the offensive side of the ball, they have Thielen, they have Jefferson, so they can't attack if the defense loads the box. So why can't Dalvin Cook get the ball as much as he is, which is exactly what he's doing now. The Vikings have been answering the call. I'd really like what this does for them. I think this is a good Really interesting game for Monday night. And I understand it's not a record, you know, a, a Bills Cardinals or a Seattle Rams, anything like that. But I still think there I still think it's a very fun matchup and we'll see where it goes. And you know, the the next the next team I'll, I'll touch on real quick and and then we'll we'll take a little bit of a, a sideline break here. Is I, I am very excited to kind of figure out what Washington is going to be. And the reason that I say that is I'm no part of me is thinking that the the Giants have a chance at a playoff spot. And Dallas with the unfortunate situations doesn't have a chance at a playoff spot. But I will make a legitimate case that I believe that the Washington football team can win the division. Even though they stink that bad, I think they can. I think it's not out of the line that they can do that especially if the Philadelphia Eagles can't figure out Carson Wentz. But, you know, a game like this against Detroit, which, you know, I understand is not the wow game. You know, Detroit's three and five, but Washington should be able to go in and win. They should be able to go in and win, especially if Kenny Galladay is not going to play, but that's something to keep an eye on throughout the week. If they can't figure out, if the Detroit Lions say, you know what, you know, Gale isn't going to play and Hall has to come in and play again. And Marvin Jones has to come in and play again. You know, I think the Redskins, I think the Washington football team has a chance to put in some good pass rush. And Chase Young has a chance to be good. I think Montez Sweat has a chance to be good. I think they have Kerrigan, who I like. and Jonathan Allen, who I like. Uh, they're deep. And I, I like their D-line. And I think their D-line could have a significant impact in this Detroit game. And I really believe that it's possible that we can see Washington win, get Antonio, you know, get Gibson going, get McLaurin going. You know, I I like this game for the Washington football team. I like it a lot. I think it's a tight one, but I like it. Give me, give me Washington 20 to 16 over Detroit. Yeah, that, that's that's what I'll say to that. 2016. And and then the the next then the, the last game before we 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 close and and move on here is, you know, I, I, I don't even know if I want to talk about it, but I'll talk about it. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers are a, a team that has moments where they show that they're really good and then it just doesn't work out for them at the end. And last week was a prime example of that where they only lost by three to the Chiefs. Tampa looked obviously horrible last week. And there's not, not even going to dive into that. We dove into that a lot on Monday. With Tampa, my issue is I think there is such a thing as having too many players to get the ball to, too many mouths to feed, too many guys to try to get going, and it puts pressure on your offensive coordinators and your coaches to try to make sure all those guys are happy. And I think you saw that against the Saints. I think that's a part of it. I think that's a part of why they lost is that there's too many guys to feed. There's too many guys to get the ball to. There's too many guys that want the ball. There is such a thing as that in the NFL. I definitely believe that that's a possibility in Tampa. The defense is very good. And I understand that that can be a little concerning when you give up 35, but if the offense puts you in bad position, then you have, then I would say that's not on the defense. And I think it is on the offense. It's not on the defense. 
I definitely think that Carolina could potentially win this game. You know, if they have McCaffrey back, which it does not look like they will, but if they do, that's obviously a good sign for them moving forward. Mike Davis seems to be a guy that came in and stepped up when he had big moments. Maybe he does that again and pushes Carolina to a different uh, different range, obviously, of DJ Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel, who's looked well the past two weeks. And I'll take Carolina, you know, to come into this game and not – not win, not win, but it wouldn't shock me. Like, I, I mean, literally the score, the, to give you an idea, I am not crazy on Tampa if they don't fix their play calling. I think Tampa wins 24-23, like, like very close. So literally, I think you can make an argument that this is a pick em because the because Tampa cannot figure it out. And there is nobody to blame out. There's nobody to blame over there, but Bruce Arians, Byron Redfoot, because they keep trying to blame everybody else besides themselves. And that's a problem. And that's, that shows dysfunction. And that's not what you want to have either. And so I'll let that be the conclusion of this Lynn Sandy pod. And if there's any questions, any, anything that you want us to uh, talk about throughout the week, just let us know. Let us know uh, on the Twitter handles. Uh, let us know through the running hook podcast, uh, feed on Twitter. You know, what, what are your thoughts? What can the Lynn Sandy do uh, to continue, you know, and get better. And, you know, we also have podcasts, the running hook podcast with Alex Burr, which I am on this week, which I'm on shockingly. I'm out of my NBA or out of my NFL uh, ways. And, you know, for all of you that, that like the NBA, I, I'm on that again, uh, talking about off season moves. So, you know, check that out. Uh, we have plenty of content from the Triple Option podcast from the Battleground, who is looking to record an ep- who are looking to record an episode this week. Uh, so there is plenty of content out there for you. Uh, don't be afraid to check it out. The Lynn Sandy podcast from Monday uh, is also going to be close to available, and so for that reason alone, uh, it's a privilege doing this monologue with you guys. And I, I will plan on having a guest either. Um, I'm debating next week or the week after. We will just have to see. But as of right now i'm excited to be one on myself this week with y'all